Hey guys, this week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial when you go to www.audibletrial.com slash world of row. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and MP3 player. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the World of Row Podcast. All right, folks, sit back, relax, crank up that audio level to the highest decibel because you're about to get into the World of Row Podcast, a podcast that features intimate interviews and personal journeys with creators like entertainers, comedians, podcasters, musicians, artists, whatever, and so many more. The best way that you can help out my podcast is by making sure you subscribe to it, you rate it, you review it. You make sure you're ready to go every Friday because that's when this podcast is available. You can you, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. So uh, get the word out for me. Tell your friends, tell your coworkers if you if you have coworkers, tell people on Twitter, on Vine, Instagram, whatever type of social media you use. I would love for you to tell me that hey i told so and so about your show or you can even send me an email telling me hey i I reviewed your show or tweet at me and say i love your show thank you for what you're doing and i will personally retweet it and i will comment back or whatever it is that i need to do all right man i gotta tell you these uh these mornings seem to be getting longer or not longer just harder for me to wake up i don't know if it's just the lack of energy or the lack of real sleep i mean it's crazy because, you know, I, I used to be able to sleep five, six hours and I'd feel ready to go when my daughter was still just a l- smaller baby. I mean, she's still a baby, but I, I felt like I was more sharper between the between the years when I would go through that. And, um, you know, it, now I, I sleep seven or eight hours and I'm like, oh, gosh. And people are like, man, you sleep seven or eight hours with a child? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I need to <laughs> maybe I need to go back to that schedule where I'm sleeping sleeping less. Maybe that's what it is. Um, anyway, so uh, my guest this week is Brianna Hansen. Uh, she is a stand-up comic, improv comedian. Uh, does several things. Writer, you know. I mean, just all o- she's doing so many great things. And the funny thing is, is that a couple episodes ago, I had Natasha Pro Hansen on the podcast. And her and Natasha are actually really good friends. They did like a tour together. You know, the uh, if you're on Twitter, you can see that hashtag Hanson Comedy Tour. It was pretty pretty hilarious because I had no idea that they knew each other. So when I start my conversation with with uh, Brianna before we before we started talking, I said, "Hey, you know, I saw that you know Natasha. I did a podcast with her." And she's like, "Oh wow, that's so cool!" And I didn't even know. And you know, and <laughs> it, it actually made the conversation even easier. I mean, that it wasn't hard to begin with because. Brianna is an easy person to talk to, but it kind of just helped segue into our conversation. And I had a great time talking with her. And it's an amazing story about how she got into it and how it all began for her. And I hope you enjoy it because it's it's so it's entertaining, funny, laughable, whatever you want to call it. So why don't we go ahead and get to that uh, portion of the podcast and I will talk to you guys on the other end.
cool. I love it. <laughs> so in, are I'm in. You are, yeah. Yeah, here we are. Um, so you're originally from Indianapolis, right? I am, is that right? yes. Wow. Mm-hmm, yeah, born and raised in so, Indy. So. Nice. Are you a, like, I, I guess, uh, are you a diehard um, Pacers Colts fan or anything like that? Um, originally Pacers, and then uh-huh. um, because the Colts were bad, and then Peyton Manning was signed, and then the Colts started getting good, and then Ron Artest, or as he's called, Meta World Peace, right. pre-Meta World Peace, punched a fan in the face, and everyone <laughs> in Indianapolis pretended like we didn't have a, a sports team, except for the uh, the Colts, and so then everyone oh, got obsessed. Yeah. Funny story, actually, I played softball with Jim Ursay, who's the owner of the Colts, with no his way. daughter. Yeah, the year we signed Peyton Manning and my, you know, dumb nine-year-old bud or whatever, like we all got mm. signed Peyton Manning jerseys, rookie jerseys. Oh wow. And uh and like our coach got like a custom made like Colt shirt. But at the time, like mm. the Colts weren't any good and right. I was, you know, a ten year old or whatever girl. Like I wasn't interested so i don't even know what i did with it but i look back oh, and i'm no. like oh my god a peyton manning yeah. signed rookie jersey from his like not even from it was crazy so yes very indianapolis wow and so um do you still have family out there and everything i do yeah i go visit there's actually a cool festival that i use as my excuse to at least get out once a year um <laughs> called the crossroads comedy festival okay so um that's kind of cool that i i know some of the people who are running that i mean it's a small town in terms mm-hmm. of like anything else. I mean, Los Angeles, where right. I live now, is like a, a small-ish town. You know, I'm always running into people and working with a lot of the same people. But right. um, Indianapolis is like, you know, just population-wise, a lot smaller. So you right. end up seeing a lot of the same people and, and running into them when you run in certain circles. So I love going back there. One of my favorite authors, Kurt Vonnegut, is like, oh, yeah. was raised in Indianapolis. So I'm very proud of my city and, you know, can't wait for like when they care that I come back right now, they're like, okay, whatever. And someday I'm like, I want you to care. I want you to be as proud of me as I am of you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, cause that's like the heart of the Midwest almost kind of thing. Right. I mean, so many yes, great, it's... great things about Indiana are there. <coughs> Excuse me. It is. Uh, yes. It's, it's wonderful. It's, uh, you know, it's flat and it's boring and the people are nice. <laughs> flat and boring. <laughs> it's, it almost sounds like Texas, except that, um, it's really, really hot in Texas versus Indiana because you guys actually, well, Indiana has winter and everything, whereas Texas, mm-hmm. it just has summer and more summer. That's and what less I like to summer, refer to. more summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are seasons. It's nice, but I, I'm a wimp. And so I always <laughs> have been. And once I moved and discovered Los Angeles and like moved here, I was like, oh, yeah. there's a place for people like me. Like everyone, <laughs> when I moved was like, wow, you turned really wimpy really quickly. Cause I lived in Chicago, which was just like way too dramatic weather-wise right. for me. And I was like, I, I've always been this person. I've always, has no one listened to me complain for 25 years? Like I've, I can't handle it. So now that the weather's like, oh, it's uh there's more blossoms in the air as the season. And it's like, oh, this is nice. I can take yeah. this. Yeah. You know, and I've met a lot of people from different parts of the country, East Coast or New York area, Midwest. And I've been in Texas all my life. And I tell them, oh, my gosh, I cannot stand summers here. I don't know how you how you can enjoy it out here. And they said, well, you know what? If you've had a winter like I've had, 
<laughs> I, you can appreciate the warm weather a whole lot more. And that kind of put things into perspective because then it kind of there was like a little bit of killjoy there involving my one day destination to live in a cabin in Minnesota or Montana or something <laughs> like that. So Yeah, so, you know, those things are nice. Everything in moderation. I also like when people ask me about like LA or they ask about right. where to move because I lived in a few different places, you know, mm-hmm. Ohio. Yeah, I, I bopped around a little bit. Sure. But I, I approach it, I think about it like uh, like Madden, like the Madden video game, yeah. which by the way, I never played. I just liked watching my brother play it because I like the storylines, but I didn't want the anxiety of actually playing. Yeah. So like <laughs> I would watch it and I was like, oh, like you can't, unless you have a bunch of cheat codes, certain players add certain value to your team and like, sure. you know, are good at certain. So I thought about it that way where it's like, well, this, you, you should live where like it doesn't, I know people in Chicago who were unfazed by the weather. I mean, not completely right. unfazed, but the amount that it bothered them was nothing compared to it bothering me. Meanwhile, I don't really care about traffic. I mean, sometimes right. it gets old, but you know, like they're like, oh, I can never sit in a car. I'm like, I'm fine in a car as long as it's not winter. <laughs> like I'm good, <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, yeah. it's kind of one of those, like there's a place for everyone. I think you just have to like, and I do like, I definitely appreciate, I don't mind driving as much because I didn't drive for a while in Chicago. Sure. You know, everything's a balance of like, oh, I remember what it was to not drive. And now yeah. I don't mind driving. And I remember what it was to have winter and now i don't mind putting on lots of sunscreen <laughs> like there you go. it's just kind of that balance yeah so then um how did it how did this all this whole thing come about because you you do a, you do stand-up comedy right you do a lot mm-hmm. of you do improv you've done you're doing a lot of writing so where did all of this begin i mean obviously i think it was it in college did that start or maybe even high school or uh, did you have to go back I would love to, I mean, it's ingrained in me. Like the first time I ever, I saw, this is what I like to tell people, which is the absolute truth. When I was in, in, I forget how, I was eight years old, I think, in second grade, I saw the sixth grade production of Fiddler on the Roof at my tiny middle school's cafe gymnatorium, so named because it was the cafeteria, gym, and auditorium. (laughs) So like small, small, and, and I remember, and I was so in love with Fiddler on the Roof that I went home right. and on my giant, you know, Mac at the time, like one of those massive yeah. things, I wrote my own version that I like, I adapted my own version for me and my friends, got a bunch of them together and like made a day of it at like my church, like theater, which I wasn't religious, but they just had a theater. So I was like, let me in, you guys have to let me in. And, uh, <laughs> and just kind of did my own version. And like, and I was always writing and always creating stuff, like I, I have, I, which I would love to find because I'm not easily embarrassed. Um, but I have hours of like videotapes. Like I, once we had a video camera, I would just like make up stories on my own. And you know, it was, it was like my imagination was always so active, and people were always like, "Oh, you have really active imagination." I was like, "Well, don't you do, like? I don't understand how you don't see all the things on the table that in the wow. invisible things in yeah. front of me." So I. I say all that because it's like, it's not, I'm not even sure where it started. And I never knew, I thought I wanted to be a doctor because, you know, middle, uh, middle America, middle class right. parents, like doctor yeah. lawyers, the dream. And I liked helping people. I liked making them feel better and, and smile. And so I was very, before I even knew who Patch Adams was, it was like that idea for me was very yeah. appealing. Um, but I'm just not, you know, nothing really came alive until I started eventually and finally embracing that this is what I wanted to do. And I, and for years even, I was like, I just, I want to do comedy and I didn't know what it meant, but I knew I had a knack for whatever I dabbled with. And I'm, and I'm glad to have tried and continue to do all the things I I've done. I I'm trying now actually, um, 
So like the website you saw and yeah. the website your users will probably see maybe two different sites because I'm in the process of like really revamping that and like really oh, nice. being like, this is what I'm doing. And like this, you know, this is what you can just to get to that next level to kind of harness all the energy of like, yeah, I can do everything. But now what yeah. do I want to be sort of known for to get to right. get to that next level? So harness all that energy into yeah. dabble. In, and I think it's good just as a creative person to have lots of outlets. Cause I think of them as languages, you know, like yeah. when I get an idea, I'm like, well, is this best served as a sketch, a TV show, a feature, a, a stand up bit. And some, you know, the, in an ideal world, you get to, you could do one with it all. Uh, but I think in reality, it's sort of like, well, this, there's really not much to this. So it's just a sketch or it's just a moment you'll someday insert into a line here or whatever. Like it's, it's good to know all of that, but I think you still, you know, for me, I'm working on harnessing it into kind of one thing that I can, that I can yeah. use as my package. So, yeah. Yeah. So it all started when you were eight years old and you wrote this rendition or your own version of <laughs> Fiddler, Fiddler on, the Roof? on the Roof, where I was like eight of the parts. Like I was Yenta wow. and Tevia. And I think that one of the daughters I liked to forget which one, but I liked one of them the most. And so I was her and, um, yeah, so I would, it it That's was amazing. super fun, and yeah, and like you know, my parents a couple of years ago were out here visiting, and and they love coming out here, and they love right. my life out here because it's it very much is obvious an obvious fit for me. But they once said, my mom said something, and it was very telling. She's like, I don't know why we never saw this, but it, but yeah. to be fair, you know, if I were born in L.A., it would be very obvious because there's such a culture for it out here. It'd be yeah. like, oh, well, she's a writer, put her in writing classes, or oh, she could go study film and whatever, and. Mm-hmm. In in at least in the kind of culture that I grew up with, it it wasn't it wasn't the norm. It right. was that thing they do out in California, or you know, so, sometimes they do it on in New York. And mm-hmm. I had no idea how to access any of that. And and once I started figuring out, it was like slow steps towards what I do now, which I think is as close to what I've always wanted to do as I've ever been. But my parents were just like, I don't like every sign was there. <laughs> like we just didn't. You know, that's not on them. I had a, a great education. I have what I like to believe is a really solid foundation right. of friends and family and, you know, that Midwest, like, I like to think I'm a decent person type, you know, <laughs> like a, a, a very different way to come about this particular world that I think had I done really young, I would be a very different person, even if I had the same skills. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that that's awesome. So then... Uh, it, it transitioned to that and I'm, I'm assuming you were you did like theater in high school or you did things like to you know cater to this I did but it was always a supplement it was never uh, a main thing was, so, yeah 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 I was like I was a theater kid but I was also like a student council kid and a, mm-hmm. an athlete and um you know everything everything else so it was always like it's something you do in addition to when you have time eventually I um I did I did have to like choose between volleyball mm-hmm. my junior year and um, and a play I really wanted to do that I was just nailing. I mean, I was just killing it in this play. <laughs> and uh, and I was okay at volleyball, but my, te- my high school team was like really good. So, you know, they were all people who played year-round and I just kind of couldn't keep up. So instead of just being outright about my choice, I did the very passive thing and just kind mm. of like, I made my coaches rather than just say, I don't want to do volleyball anymore. Cause I'd already stopped basketball. Cause the, mm-hmm. I just, uh, my junior year was kind of burnt out from doing everything. And, uh, I, I started like 
I would wear like knee pads during training and I would be like really like knee pads and mouth guards, which were unnecessary and shin guards and all these things like when we were jumping rope and, and would be really goofy and really silly. And eventually the coach, like who was notoriously just an asshole to, to <laughs> us, you know, and it was like, no one wanted to quit the team. Cause then he just got all over you. Even if you never right. played, like he gave you these long lessons. Eventually, like the coach in the preseason, like pulled me over and was like, "You don't want to be here, do you?" And I was like, "Absolutely not. I do not, sir. I do not." And he's like, "He's like, didn't you like just get into a play?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Are you going to be able to do both?" And I was like, "I don't think so." And he goes, "You should just do the play." And I was like, "I wow. should, shouldn't I?" So, I mean, it's sort of one of those. Now all my friends are like, "Yeah, it's been obvious forever, you know, that that's what you that wanted was, to do." This but... was your calling, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and that this was in high school, right? You said? That was in high school, yeah. So I did this play, and of course, it just like came alive. It was comedy. That my character had a thick, uh, like Oklahoma Southern accent, which my mom's mm-hmm. from Oklahoma, so that's very easy oh, for wow. me to turn on. And right. you know, it was very physical, very silly. And uh, one of my good friends who played saxophone with me was like the the other lead, and we were just super silly together. And I just, I just came alive. Like it was. Funny enough, the first time I felt the same thing I felt during that play, which was in high school, was mm-hmm. probably again in second grade when I was doing the rap from Fern Gully, performing it for my class. <laughs> like you did a Fern rap Gully, Yeah. Like there's like a bat, the bat in Fern Gully, which I think was played by Robin Williams. I like, think you're right. does some sort of rap. And I don't even know the rap anymore, but I loved that movie so much. And I loved that moment that I like memorized the rap and I remember performing it like after recess and yeah. I like had, I like blacked out and I remember it vividly because I blacked out. Like I was so in the zone and it was just sort of like, you know, of course you see all the ones and zeros after the fact, but, right. um, but yeah, so that was, once I hit that again, I was like, Oh, that's that feeling. And I've been trying to chase that the rest of my days. <laughs> after, <laughs> after I felt it, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. We're still going. Nice. So then you went to college and you went to Xavier, correct? I did. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. So, so, and over there, I saw that you major majored in uh, politics and <laughs> philosophy. I'm just, I'm just, Hey, I'm, I'm just doing a rundown. Sorry. No, no, I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, of course. Like that has nothing to do with anything I do now, you, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so, so where did, well, I guess what I'm trying to get at, was it in college where you finally made that transition to the stand up or the comedy scene? And then, you know, uh, Yes. Yes and no. So I was way too involved in a, a lot of stuff in high school. Like I, okay. I was, like I said, student council and right. sports and, and like anything mm. I'd get my hands on and chess and just everything. I've always been an overachiever. So I got burnt out. Uh, so basically, so basically, Brianna, you were like a nerd back then. Huge nerd. Indiana <laughs> student council conventions, <laughs> national student council conventions. Like yeah. just... I mean, luckily, I'm, I grew up with a bunch of other sort of nerds, so I was never, like, an outcast. <laughs> right, I right. back and I'm like, it was nothing to me to, to tape my glasses because I was like, well, they're broken and they need tape. Like, I'm not going to get new glasses when these are fine. Right. And then I'm like, I was wearing taped glasses and studying, like, algebra in fourth grade like i was what uh, what a wow. nerd <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but hey that's okay to overachieve i mean it, it it worked out well for you i'm sure yeah i mean i think everything you do informs another part so i'm grateful to have sure. all this like well-rounding so in college i got there and i like i said i was so burnt out so the only thing i really wanted to do was the improv team on campus right, right. and yeah. uh i remember in one of my first like 
PPP was the name of my major, philosophy, politics, and the public. And mm -hmm. uh, one of my first PPP classes, which is like this core group of people I'm going to spend the next four years with, we're all introducing ourselves. And I did some sort of really dumb, I hate introductions. I get so anxious about it. And, uh, oh, yeah. So I did some sort of like dumb like reference to the Will Smith rap from Fresh Prince. And like while mm -hmm. I was introducing myself, I was like, yeah, from Indianapolis, born and raised. Not on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Ah! And, uh, <laughs> and they, you know, we had to talk about what we wanted to do. And I was like, well, I was thinking of just doing comedy. But based on that reaction, maybe not. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> so that's, I mean, I slowly picked up other things in college, but that was the only thing I really did at first was like, I'm just going to do the improv team and then got obsessed yeah. with it. And then, you know, I, did, I was so nervous about doing stuff. Like I've been so in my head for so long yeah. that I, I didn't even like, I got a performing arts grant to play the saxophone, but I was too nervous to audition for a performing arts grant to do theater. And I spent half of my time in the theater room and also the band room but like i did so much theater and i just never got the grant because i was nervous about it yeah like, doesn't it suck when you have to introduce yourself to a group of people it's, it's so awkward the worst right i hate yes. it so much because like i feel so much pressure and i've started just <laughs> like it is the most anxious thing i i just did it again two weeks ago with this right. group of women who are like yoga women who were there just to like <laughs> meet each other and and i'm sitting there like talking myself into it like brianna don't feel like you need to perform don't you dare perform for them just uh, say uh, your uh. name get this over with and of course i'm like <laughs> and they're all like laughing and i'm like we're at it again we can't just shut up just stop it <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah I, I i really hate those it just makes it so awkward and you you kind of have to i don't know it's just weird but then you it's, realize that, like, as you're thinking about it, so is everyone else. Right. Like, they're not at all, which means they're not going to care how you say it. Like, right. it's really one of those, like, you can only do yourself harm by being anxious about it. <laughs> That's but true. That is very it's true. It's crazy. Yes. Ugh, thank you for affirming that. I hate, I've always hated that. Yeah. It's it's like, like you're in elementary school again and you're having to introduce yourself, but you're not the shy, bashful kid that you are. You're just like some grown-up, awkward in your twenties or thirties and trying to tell your, tell them everyone who you are. And there's yeah. all eyes are on you. You're like, Oh my God, this is weird. Yeah. And especially yeah. when like, you know, you say you start labeling yourself outside of that. Like in my, it's like, Oh, I'm a comedian. And a few people yeah. have known that just the other yeah. day when I was doing it with the yogis, that was the day I'd published my book, my oh, la wow. latest book. And so they're all like, Oh, Brianna published a comedy book and blah, blah, blah. This is all pre-introduction. Like when we're doing that. And, so when it comes to me, I'm like, oh my god, like be funny. You gotta. Yeah. And no one cared. Like no one cares <laughs> at all. <laughs> and so you, so you, while you were in college, you made that decision to get into comedy. So you, is that yes. when you went to Chicago? Yes. So I got obsessed with it, and I went to um, over one summer. I went and did like the Second City Chicago intensives. Wow. And, um, and then that's also when I started writing a little bit, like I dabbled, there was a, mm -hmm. there was a play at the end of the year called workshop and my freshman year, there were very few people in it. I can't remember. I did. I think it was like no one, almost no one in it. I mean, it was a very small, like student written, student created production. So my sophomore year I'd gotten, you know, a little more chutzpah and decided to like, right. I'm going to try this. And I think I was in one of them and I can't remember if I wrote my sophomore year or not. But then my junior year, I wrote one and was in it. 
and like loved that experience. And then my senior, and it was getting more popular and you know, the response was good or whatever. (laughs) And then my senior year, like I directed one and I think I directed in junior year too, but senior year I like directed one and then I wrote a play called Xavier the Musical, which was an hour of like satire, kind of like making fun of, I mean, it was playfully making fun of all things Xavier and it sold out. Like it was, it went from, workshop went from having, you know, four people in the audience to actually turning a profit. <laughs> like the, it, it, 365 seats were sold out, I wow. think three out of the four nights. And the only and night was- they were, it was the first one. <laughs> wow. And so this was at the Second City. Um, so that was after my second city. So oh, that was, second, I got sorry, like sorry. obsessed with second. So I, yeah, I, I jumped. That was my fault. Um, no, you're so fine. We you're fine. To, I did second city and I got obsessed with it. And then I just started doing as much as I could. Like I taught improv at, in Cincinnati. I did all these, you know, various things that I could get my paws on. And then I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, between my junior or between my um, senior year and, and the year mm-hmm. after you graduate, I went the summer after my senior year and did Second City, um, more intensives, and then actually taught at Xavier, taught improv and creating comedy and sketch and all this stuff to like my friends (laughs) and Uh former roommates and some dudes I'd made out with and stuff. Like it was very, you know, whatever. (laughs) And um, taught that class, which was like super fun. Like I was adjunct faculty and I used a lot of the knowledge that I had become obsessed with at Second City. And then from there, I went and uh, after a year of doing that and doing everything I could in Cincinnati, I just kind of, you know, needed a bigger market. So I I moved to Chicago then. And that's when I went through the more traditional conservatory program and and all these things. So, yeah. So that's when I got obsessed with I.O. and all that jazz. Wow. So is it is it is improv actually like a is it really hard to learn or I mean, how does how do you go about how does one go about doing that? I think the biggest thing with improv is is more you're unlearning your tics. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's hard to learn. It's that it's hard yeah. to unlearn. Um, ah. You're trying to just – because a lot of times – and you're a very good listener. But a lot of times you start realizing that you're not actively listening to something. You start realizing that you're not actually in the moment. You're just trying to be whatever. You know, You start picking yeah. up on all these things. And, and you also realize like you don't need to be funny. You just need to be truthful and you don't need to be, you know, big or whatever. Like if you can be sure, but I, you know, my, my love of improv definitely came from the, the truth in it, the, you know, moments of truth and the, obviously the big funny playfulness, but that's just because I'm kind of big and it gave me an outlet to be super silly and for people not to judge. (laughs) So improv is it civil? Is it similar? I was gonna say similar. I don't even know if that's even a word. But <laughs> similar? Is it similar to like ad libbing? I guess for for people who are acting, it's kind of like almost mm-hmm. right a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a background in improvisation, is when you get a little less nervous when the director's like, "Well, you know, get most of it on the script, or you know, or make it your own, or to have your own take to it, or add some lines, or whatever." You know, it's improv is basically like just thinking on the spot and staying truthful in the right. moment, and you know, being able to say surprising things that feel like they come out truthfully in lots of different <laughs> scenarios. So basically like being sarcastic, but with a dry sense of humor, t- <laughs> with a twist to it. And that's kind of Yeah, like it, exactly. Right? Just, I think it's really just like practice. It's like, you know, anything else, like if you practice 
to sprint, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to like, you're going to ever need to be able to sprint a hundred yards really fast. But if you ever need to get out the gate or move more quickly or use the movements of the sprint to improve some other element of your run or just to, you know, escape a a burglar, I don't know, then it's like, then you've been practicing, you know, it's kind of like there for you. Exactly. If you hear dogs (laughs) in the background, that's those little pugs that are... No, fine. You're fine. You're fine. <sighs> I'm allergic to you. You have pugs? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm dog sitting. I dog sit for oh, fun. Oh, um, gotcha. So I've got these two little beautiful high-maintenance pugs, and I think one is just peed again on the porch, even though they've gone oh, out no. a bunch of times. So, yeah. you know, I got an education. I've got a lot of talent, and I've got three books, and I pick up dog poop sometimes. <laughs> so that's, I think, what we all need to remember. <laughs> Uh, it's, ne- it's never too late to venture out and try lots of other things as you the way you've showed us Brianna's <laughs> yeah <talk>. that's right <laughs> exactly sometimes yeah. I'll be on the phone like chatting with my dad and then I'll be like hey remember that expensive education you bought me remember how I graduated <laughs> like cum laude with a honors major well, I'm picking up a pile of dog poop right now so for that. have fun <laughs> <laughs> you're like I had a moment of uh, humility today yeah uh, every day I mean <laughs> I have to wipe this one dog's butt after he pees right now oh, so wow. every day is uh, <laughs> I think so, that's good though so you know yeah, yeah. You it builds character <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't ever want to be kind of too good for anyone or anything yeah. And so in, in Chicago, how long how long were you out there? I think three years. I'm really bad with time. No, you're fine. Meaning you're fine. I'm like, people will be like, how long have you been in LA? And then I'll stare at them, even if someone just an hour ago asked me that question. So I think I, think I was in Chicago for about two and a half years. Um, I moved like a year after I graduated and then um, college and then just could could only survive. I moved just before winter, and I, I'm pretty sure I was only there three winters. Um, so because I just I think I was I barely survived the last one, <laughs> um, and then I moved out to Sunshine. So about wow. two and a half three years. But I did everything I could in that time, and just realized it never fit me. Like, you know, it never. I don't know. I just didn't come alive in that place. Like the Madden thing I was saying earlier. Like I love that. I think it's a great city, but I didn't have the passion for it that so many people around me did. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just, this is not my spot. And I'm the opposite in Los Angeles. Like this is my spot. Like I, you know, love exploring neighborhoods and like feel very at home where I live and look at places of like, I would, could live there. I would buy (laughs) a home to invest in a future there, you know? Sure. So Sure. And so when you went to California or you went to Los Angeles, um, you, you did a little bit of the, you worked for the ground, you worked in Groundlings, correct? I did. Yeah. I did all that stuff. I, um, I did stuff at the Groundlings and UCB mostly to just meet a community and to get replugged into those roots that I was, um, that I knew so well in Chicago. Uh, but then I, you know, I moved here to do film and television and I started realizing that though they're obviously a way to, make you good at some elements of film and television, they can sometimes be a somewhat expensive distraction from them. And so I've kind of started focusing more on doing like writing pilots and working on things that could get momentum in in the more traditional film and TV world. Yeah. So, and, and, and going over there, uh, working for Groundlings obviously is a prestigious 
place as well as Second City. So picked up a lot of experience. And did you, is that when you were in, in LA that you started doing stand up performances? Or yeah, was that... so I dabbled a little bit in Chicago, but okay. I was so, like, the thing about introducing yourself, like, I was so, for so many years, nervous and, and in my head about being perfect. And I'd done this solo performance, like, I had a solo show I toured with, like, I had no problem being on stage by myself for an hour, but I was such a good sketch comedian and improviser that none of that scared me. But mm-hmm. stand-up felt like just a different beast. And so eventually I realized that stand-up is like a solo show, <laughs> except you don't, it doesn't require nearly the amount of prep and tech and, you know, space and stuff that... Um, that a solo show requires, but it also is just, I can get up, I can get up and get my performance out, you know, every night, a few times a night. Like I can kind of get that, yeah. um, so, get that so it, drug on. Oh, <laughs> you know? is it? Yeah, definitely. So I guess like the first time you did it, was it, was, is it nerve wracking to go up there and, and start talking? To, I mean, trying to make people laugh. I mean, what, what's the, what's the general <laughs> feeling like? Yeah, very, very. I mean, like the first time I did it was in Chicago. And I remember I brought a note card on stage and I Mm -hmm. like Cameron Esposito, who's doing really well now, was like the host and she couldn't have been nicer to me. And Mm -hmm. I just was like, hit my point, hit my point, hit my point. But, but, you know, like I have a lot of energy. I'm I'm just now learning what that is in terms of creating a conversation Mm -hmm. with the audience while still being true to the fact that I'm a high energy person. Um, So I think you know, I just was wait. I was too much. Like it was very like, what just happened? That wasn't stand up. That was like a really intense solo performer <laughs> trying it. And now that I've done, you know, I, I didn't like it. And, and then I came out here and once I decided, I didn't know if I became obsessed with stand up, like watching it and writing jokes, but I never did it. So yeah. I basically, cause I kept telling myself, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. And then I was like, well, I think you're just scared of it. So I made myself a promise where I was like, you, you're going to do 150 shows in next year, which doesn't sound like all that much compared to what a lot of people do out here, like grind wise, like people do a lot more than that. But for Mm -hmm. me, that was a lot. It was like, you're going to do 150 standup comedy sets. And after that, you get to decide whether or not you like it. Like, but you don't get to do it until you've done 150 of them. And by like the, you know, 20th, I was like, oh, I'm in. Okay. I was just scared. Like it was just a matter of getting the muscles. Same thing as like introducing yourself in a group. Like it was the same sort of energy of like, super nerve wracking until you do it a lot. And then you're like, okay, I'm always going to get nervous. Here's this feeling of nervousness and here's this, but here's how I get over it. And so, yeah. Wow. So then you found your, you found your niche and then you just, it's just normal, natural now for you. Just, now just go it's up there natural. And talk. Yeah. And it's needed. Like it's also just so necessary. I kind of, I've have a, a joke about it right now because I took time mm-hmm. off to, to write more just hours in the day. There weren't enough to do everything. And so when I started doing the stand-up again, I was like, oh my God, I needed this, you know? Like, yeah. so a lot of my energy is even more for right now because I'm just like, I'm so sorry, but I haven't been on stage and like, you're getting yeah. off it. But I just love it because it's helped me as a writer to be concise, says the girl who won't stop talking. It, it's helped me, <laughs> you know, just to find my voice. It's helped me to have a really honest way of knowing what, how to sell what people want to hear from me which sounds like it's a dishonest thing but it's not like you can't be dishonest and stand up but you can be a variation of an honest version of yourself even if it's not the whole thing you know i'm not as neurotic as i pretend to be in stand up but (laughs) but i am neurotic enough to sell it (laughs) truthfully you know yeah 
And so what have been like your biggest influences getting into into this realm of comedy and stand up and writing and everything like that? Um, stand up specifically, I'm I'm obsessed with Kevin Hart. I think because oh, gotcha. he has so much charisma and so much energy that um and he just is such a smart businessman and he was a writer first, you know, and mm-hmm. um and now just kind of does everything and and it's just so interesting. So I I think I'm obsessed with him too cuz his energy is so big. That, you know, I'll never be like a Mark Marin. Like, I'll never be able sure. to sit and have a conversation. Not not because I don't, like, love his podcast and think he's great, yeah. but because I'm just like, it's too, it's too little, it's too, it's not me. So, um, yeah. so I, like, love, uh, I love Kevin Hartzell. I also love Will Ferrell. I think Will mm-hmm. Ferrell's just so silly. And <laughs> yeah. so, he's so simple and so silly and you know makes, his his makes delivery with, with with the way he makes the way he in his movies is just so spot on hilarious right like he's just so naturally fun and the way he does like interviews like he'll dress up like a leprechaun or just i think he just <laughs> is having fun at what he's doing and so right so those are two people um i mean i also really like like carol burnett and some of the classic sure. personalities oh, yeah. you know like she was she was awesome she feels very approachable like those type of things, like I think uh, Lucille Ball was obviously, you know, wonderful. Like, but I also like was obsessed with kind of Mae West. Like, I went through this phase where I was watching all these classic movies, and Mae West is like a delight to watch. Like, you can't take your eyes off of her. And so I've been yeah. trying to like study, like, what is that? Like, what is it she's <laughs> doing? Like, what is that? Well, so. that, that's awesome. That, that I like. I like the broad. A range of influences that you, that you have. I mean, from Will Ferrell to Marin to Kevin Hart to Mae West to Carol Burnett. A lot of people don't even know who Carol Burnett is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is crazy to me because I remember growing up as a kid, there were always she had her own show, the Carol Burnett Show. I mean, it was so popular. It and was huge, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and 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 everyone, you know, you know, she's she's timeless in my opinion, and. I, you know, you were talking about Marin. I, I got into his his podcast about a year ago when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But I like to listen to all different types of shows, and his was one that I had a hard time gravitating to at first. But then I like enjoy it now. I, I mean, I bought that Howl subscription on my iPhone just to listen to his show twice a week, and I listened to. I mean, he had the freaking president on his podcast, which was yeah. awesome. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. And th- yeah, and then he and then his show his his uh his shows on Netflix and I binge watched it many times over. I just it's I, at first, like I said, I didn't get his humor, but it, now I kind of enjoy it. But his his is a lot different than most people's. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, he has his own cadence, and I think that's the thing when you're thinking about influences. You know, you think like, well, what's one thing I think you know Marin does really well among many he has his obviously his own cadence but he's an excellent listener and the ease yeah. at which he gets people to talk is yeah. something that feels very natural but is actually like extremely an, a great talent you know that you hear oh, yeah. other other sort of people trying to do what he does and there it lacks that something and so you know I think like the listening skills he has and and he really is so conversational I mean to the point where I think he's even said like he's never written joke, which is not my style, but <laughs> it's like that's awesome because that's how it comes across, you know. Like mm-hmm. he, he really is having a conversation. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's I think there's just value in in whoever. So when it's kind of like when people ask when I'm pitching something and people ask for comps like movie comps, mm-hmm. 
They always yeah. wanted to be really simple. They wanted to be like, it's die hard meets like uh, 500 days of summer or something. You know, they mm-hmm. want like, but I'm, I can't, for me, that's too simplistic. So it's like, sure. what are your influences? Well, Will Ferrell's sort of delivery and, and the, you know, um, Carol Burnett's malleability and her classicness and her approachability and, and Kevin Hart's charisma. Like for me, it's the specific, the specificity of one person, not like, I'm going to be like Kevin Hart. Cause like, he's, yeah. He's cornered that market and he's nailing it. Like I don't want to, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you don't, you don't want to come off like a, like a, like a. I guess it is a plagiarizing or in a form of that, yeah, like like a like bad way, version of them. Yeah, like, you know, like like I had I had seen for years. I had no idea, but Joe Rogan had called out Mencia for for stealing people's bits and jokes. And I think George Lopez did too. And then he was on uh, the podcast with Marion, and he addressed a lot of things but he but his thing was you know everybody takes a little bit from everybody and if they if somebody stole i mean i don't know i'm not saying that it's okay to do that by no means because it takes a lot of time and i'm pretty sure some people write these jokes but every i don't know i mean it's just i don't know where i was getting at with that but (laughs) i think it i think it takes a skill to do to do what 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 a lot of people a lot of people in stand-up do or improv and everything like that and not you know the the skill set's got to be there then of course you have to have the the courage and the motivation and the the ability to to uh have thick skin i guess is probably the 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 biggest thing is that right totally i also think like there's a great episode of uh, Louis where he addresses that same idea with Dane Cook, who was accused of stealing jokes. And, I, you know, I don't know. They've got their own thing and they can figure it out and they answer to their own gods. But yeah, yeah. I like uh, one thing that Dane said, which is funny because of the thing I'll tell you after this. But one thing that he said was like, I think there's kind of an ether out there of like <laughs> something's ripe for the taking. And is everyone listening to everyone else's thing? Probably not. Like but are people coming up with some of the same same ideas which is sort of just right. the creative process totally like i don't want people outright stealing my jokes but i also know that if i cater my voice specifically enough that mine's going to be funnier coming from me it's going to be refreshing and like i have a joke about that i did a few years ago about tinder that is mm. exactly what dane cook started doing about tinder like a year later now do i oh, think wow. dane cook looked up my like flappers YouTube set of six minutes that like, you know, has 32 views of it. No, I don't think he, like, I don't think Dane was one of my 32 views and started being like, Oh, that's really funny. I'm I think it was like out in the ether, but now that's his joke. You know, now it's like, well, if I do that, he's the recognizable name. But I do know that, that, you know, it, it, there are other instances where I think it happens and it's so specific or it's so, you know, like I know stories of big name comedians who would he- be at the club and hear a really specific bit and then the next day would do it on national TV or whatever. And then that would become their bit, even though it was like word for word what another comedian had said. So those instances, I think, are when it's like really stealing. But if it's like generalities, it's kind of, yeah. you know, I think people just in general life philosophy I try and approach is like we're not – there's an abundance of everything. So like if, if I think that my best joke gets, st- of course I'm not going to love it. Like I wouldn't love if some of my pilot ideas get like taken by others, but that does that mean like I have a web series that's, you know, sort of girls meets broad city. Did I watch either before I did that? No, like I'm not, you know, stealing their thing. And now my yeah. idea is not as innovative because of them, but it's still like, 
when it's out in the ether, I think it's ripe for for the picking and it's sort of who picked that most obvious. Right, right. So, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to just say, oh, well, that guy stole my bit or she stole my bit or they stole my bit. But because there's so many people out there doing the thing and maybe the the mind, the mind, the creative minds are almost on the same path. I mean, you, there's no control over it sometimes. I get what you're saying. There's a book that I just read called Big Magic by uh, Elizabeth, what's her name? She did Eat, Pray, Love, um, Elizabeth Gilbert. And okay. it's it's wonderful. It's a fun, creative book. I mean, it's kind of an easy read, but I read it and um, and she basically has, she kind of posits that idea, for lack of a better term, where she's like, this is the way ideas work. She has this kind of like... Uh, philosophy that ideas just exist outside of us and they're constantly looking for conduits to come alive and uh and so like the ideas can transfer from person to person if they're not getting the most do i i don't know if i like wholeheartedly believe that like surrounding me currently there are all these buzzing ideas but i do think there's some value to to thinking about it like that you know to thinking about it as like and my honestly some of my best stand-up even though some elements of it could be taken like, I'm sure if someone saw it, they'd be like, oh, this is, you know, a bit or whatever that I could take. My best stand-up and the stuff that I think is the most valuable to me is stuff that wouldn't work for someone else. I mean, it's sure. just, especially for me right now, it's so personal and so specific that it's like someone else is going to make a joke about living with your boyfriend. <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to sound, first of all, that joke's been made a thousand times. Right. It's not going to sound as weird you know, the, the very specific way that I approach it, it's going to be very different. And, you know, so I kind of think of it like that. That doesn't mean I'm like, everyone can just take my jokes without repercussion. Like I do think there are people, but I, but I think, you know, joke stealing probably comes from an insecurity and a need to be like good enough or whatever. Like it just, it comes from a place that's not, I don't ever want to come from that place. So Right. You know, if anything happens coincidentally and I say it, like the Dane Cook, he literally was doing my bit on stage and I was like, oh, well, I guess that's his now. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, whatever. Like, you're like, oh, good. fuck that guy. No, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, he's on the improv stage right now. I'm 800 people in the audience, like, loving this bit. And I'm like, yeah, it's a really good joke. I, I thought of it, but, you know, I, I don't. Yeah. There's no part of me that think. Plus, there are probably 100 people doing a similar bit to me. Yeah. you know, to both of us. And now it's Dane Cook's joke and that's fine. Like I like Dane <laughs> Cook. So, uh, you know, yeah. so be he, it. He's pretty funny too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is it, do you ever, I guess with the writing process is I'm trying to get out as a, is it with the writing process, do you ever feel like you don't have a good idea or is everything kind of like, you know what, this is, this is good. Or you have trouble putting something down when you want to, put something together does that make any sense yeah it's both so I'm very I'm very good and always have been because I always because I've just got this imagination and so I learned kind of years ago how to at least just calm it down and so mm -hmm. part of the one of the ways I do that is I'm always writing ideas down like I'm always if I think of something I'm very protective of like if nothing else, it's the muscle of practicing, like telling my yeah. imagination, okay, thank you, keep going, you know, or, or like brainstorming is fun for me. So I, I never I never really feel at a lack for ideas, even if I have to kind of go searching for some of them when I'm really in a dry spell, because I'm always, it'll be somewhere in a notebook or somewhere there'll be an idea I haven't thought of. Like one of my pilots right now that I'm really proud of and excited about 
came from an idea I wrote, I don't even know, a couple years ago. I just sort of wrote down and then happened to bring out while pitching it with a writing partner and he really was drawn to it and then it turned into something. I'm, so so in that way, I never feel like I want it. But, but there are other times where you totally feel blocked. Like, you know, as a writer, you have to write spec scripts, which I hate doing. And so right now I'm working mm-hmm. on a spec that I'm like, to trying to use to, to get into a couple things. And it's, uh, it feels, it's totally different. And it, it, you lose all momentum in it sort of, it's like, I don't even know how to write anymore, even though like, it doesn't matter that yesterday I wrote, you know, X number of things or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like you, you know, so it's like yes and no, but I've, I've learned to trust in the creative process. Like this one script idea was really bothering me. I couldn't figure out what it was, this feature that I'm working on. Like, Mm -hmm. there's something about the main character that just didn't work. Like, it did not work. And I couldn't, for probably two years, figure out what it was. Like, I was like, and every time I'd pitch it, I'd be like, yeah, but, you know. And and then one day, just out of the blue, quote unquote, uh, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's because he's not this. He's this. And then it it transformed the entire thing. And, of course, it'll require a full rewrite, but it's, you know, but it's like, it, it all makes sense now because of one little switch. So I think if you just keep, people sometimes make fun of me and I don't know that it's always the greatest approach, but I think <laughs> keeping a lot of irons in the fire, yeah. I do that so that while one is kind of like, you know, ruminating, mm-hmm. uh, I can work on something else and still feel satiated creatively without just being like, oh, I'm just so stuck on this one feature thing, you know, like I just want to get this feature written, but it's just <laughs> not making sense. Instead, it's like, I don't know. I can't figure that out. I'll go work on a sketch for two years. You know, I'll go work on this yeah. for whatever. And then one day when it comes back to me, I'll be like, oh my God, that's it. Like <laughs> now's the time I should write that. Cause it's obvious to me, you know? Yeah. So you were saying you always like to make people feel better and back at the beginning of our conversation. Mm-hmm. So making people laugh, you're obviously making people feel a lot, you know, making people feel really good and feel a lot better about themselves in some aspect. Does it ever, does it ever backfire in a sense, I guess? Has that ever happened before? Uh, yeah, on myself all the time. I don't sleep. Oh. I don't know. Um, You're like, why did I, I mean, say that? I know. I'm so exhausted all the time. No, yeah. <laughs> I think, um, so I, you know, I think it's taken me a while to, I talked earlier, I mentioned like this yoga thing. It's taken sure. me a while to find balance. And I genuinely think that now I can have balance as I approach the trying to make others feel better. And I can also have balance as I approach my own career of like, okay, what do you love about this? We, we love this, so this means we can do that. You know, it's sort of like if I just am doing it only to make others, it's, it's too altruistic. I mean, we're altruistic and selfish at the same time, I think. Like right. in our selfishness, even if our desire is to be altruistic, that still can be selfish because we want to be altruistic because we feel good. It makes us feel good, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like... It comes from, so I think the times that I'm just trying to do things, and I was really good about it. I actually went through like a major uh, transition uh, last year or so, and I was doing a bunch of things that like would make people laugh, but I wasn't getting joy out of. And even stand up, like I had to pull back because I was just like, I'm not, I don't enjoy this right now. So I would like pull back from it, even though I wasn't ever doing poorly. Like I wasn't, you know, I was, it was not like I was at some sort of rut where I couldn't, I just wasn't working and I think now that I I approach it from a much more balanced place I can be in tune with the times that I don't you know I'm not 
I'm doing it because I enjoy it. And by enjoying it, I'm becoming a better human to be around. And then that becomes me being making people feel better because I can be more myself. I know yeah. that's like a really kind of a roundabout way of saying it, but no, no, yeah, yeah. That's kind of no. what it is. So do do you manage like I guess this this work life balance pretty well because I, I'm assuming you're because like you said you're always thinking about things and you're writing stuff down so that way maybe you don't forget about it. Does it? Do you ever just kind of like unplug and just you know I'm I'm sure you do. I don't know why I just said do <laughs> you ever. But yeah. is it is it hard for you? I guess at times to do that type of thing. So the uh, yes, because uh, because I am my own, you know, productivity right now. So it's like right. when I'm when I'm plugging, I'm not like I don't need to escape my life necessarily. Like I think that's sure. one thing that people sometimes are like, oh, you need a vacation. And I'm like, but I mm-hmm. like what I'm doing, so it's not right. like I need to necessarily escape. And one thing that I think. Uh, my parents realized years ago, once they were like, oh my God, all she does is write, is in many ways writing is is relaxing for me. Sure, so if I yeah. have time to sort of write sketches and stuff that are just for fun or brainstorm, like that is an escape time. Like that is kind of my like my joy place because there's so much that goes around into the production and, and all these other things that are like the more detail-oriented stuff that are less, not interesting, but kind of less freeing as mm-hmm. the other things. So so in that way, I find balance. And in terms of just generally, I've, I've gotten much better about it. And that's been because a year and a half ago, I met my boyfriend. And not to be like, oh, it's a romantic love story. I'm like, no, that guy. Yeah. But honestly, I think there's <laughs> something to like, you know, when you meet your match, he has brought so much balance. He's such a calm man. And he's just so supportive. And it's like, I want to unplug to hang out with him. I'm not just like hanging out with him to like fulfill a need of needing attention or whatever. Like it's, right. it's kind of like he's, and he's good at like, I, I used to not be great at getting enough sleep or eating when I was, when I should have or eating well, like I would forget and get in the zone and have, realize I'd had a Luna bar yesterday, you know, and, and that's not good for your body. And so I think his introduction has allowed me to be like, Cause he's a good cook. So, and he'll mm-hmm. kind of get on my case if I'm not eating. And so it's like, Oh, like I need to take time to have lunch. Like I need to, you know, <laughs> he exercises a lot and I, and that's very important to me, but it can fall by the wayside. So it's like a reminder to be like, you need to get out. Even if it's just like, I'm in a Fitbit challenge with him and I have to beat him cause I'm hyper competitive. Like that's, yeah. you know, just sort of forced balance in my life. I, I love yoga. I've discovered in the past few months, like six months, I've been so into yoga. And, um, and I think probably, you know, you discover things you like, but it's, it's very, it's very refreshing for me. And so he is always kind of like, you going to yoga today? Like it's, it's the person in your ear. That's like the person you want to be that if right. left unchecked, before him, I would kind of, and I never dated someone I cared enough about to be like, nah, I'd just be like, shut up, I'm fine, and like move on, you know. And now I'm like, oh, I, I guess I probably should do that thing that brings me joy. Like I should, I've never regretted going to a yoga class. Like I'll go to yoga. Like that's, I and you know, I've cool. heard, I've heard yoga is very relaxing, and it's, I heard it's really great on your, on your body, like for the overall, you know, like with the calisthenics and everything like that. Have you ever done it? Like, are you, have no. you yogied? Oh yeah. No, I've never tried it. You know, my wife, when, when she was pregnant, she, she went through like a, I think like a couple of sessions of it. And she just said that it, it, it was very relaxing to her and it helped her a lot. 
but I never got into it myself, but I was always curious about it because I think there's another podcast that I listened to and, and the, the host talks about how it helped him with his herniated disc or something. And I was just like, wow, well maybe, cause I, I've had, I mean, the older I've gotten, but I figured out I just needed an adjustment and those are amazing. I don't know if you've ever had a back adjustment. Those are amazing, but yeah. But at the same time, my the chiropractor was like, you need to stretch, you need to drink more water, you need to stay hydrated. And that helps a lot. But I've heard people say yoga is amazing. It's the best thing. I mean, it's the best thing from like, it goes back to that Madden thing. Like, I'm not going to tell every <laughs> single person they need to yoga. Like, I, you right. know, I think, I think they're, if you enjoy it and you mm-hmm. can get yourself to like, even if you don't enjoy it at first and you can sort of learn to love it, I truly believe there'd be value in some form of yoga for everybody, even a little bit. Having said that, it, you know, it, it I like it because it's subtle and some people it drives them nuts because it's like, for me, it's like, I don't know how to curve my forearm in and my elbow out. Like, and I'm sitting there fascinated by that for 10 minutes. Um, and other people are like, oh my God, tell me what to do. Like, give me something else to do. So I, you know, it's, it sort of suits me for this phase right now because my mind, like I said, it's just always like rapid fire. And so mm-hmm. to be able to focus in on, on my body and it's given me some abs. They're trying to come through. It's very, I'm very proud of them, like yeah. wanting to come through. So it's they're not there <laughs> yet, but like they'll get there. And I swear I've been, I think, healthier as a result of it. Like not just physically, but you go upside down in yoga. There's all these, there's all this like ancient wisdom in these yeah. poses that, uh, you know, is good for your spirit and also your immune system. I mean, like no one's ever done yoga for a year and then been like, ah, oh, as a result, now I've got a broken arm, you know, like no one's <laughs> you don't get injured as easily because the other thing that it teaches you, which has been good for me, especially as a pusher, as an athlete, who's like ignores the body and just goes is yoga teachers. The good ones at least are like, I do not care what you do today. You can spend the whole day in child's pose. If that's what you need, you spend an hour in child's pose. That can be challenging for your mind. You know, like it's very, you get to challenge yourself and you have to listen to your body, which, you know, my boyfriend has made fun of because it's like, now if I go for a run, he's like, you're going to run or walk. And I'm like, well, if if my body wants to walk, we're walking. Like I'm no longer going to override it. But at the same time, like if I feel good, I'll like, I'll sprint, I'll run, you know, like it's, it's not just like you get to be lazy. It's also like you get to like, listen to it on the days that it's like, I'm firing on all cylinders. Like, let me go faster. It's like, all right, let's go. Like, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with it and I hope yoga takes over everywhere, but I also recognize that it's not for everyone. And, um, you know, it, whatever. <laughs> well, that's not, that sounds like a like an awesome testimonial, if, if I may say so. Yeah, I'm hoping someday to be a yogi, so then I can be like, <laughs> if I, you know. But it, it's just helped me. I just know what it's that what it's done for me. Like it's just uh, been so good to me. And there's so many simple ways to incorporate it, and um, I it's I love it, and I love it as an athlete too. It doesn't harm the other athletics. It just yeah. you know it informs my body and helps my mind calm and my my spirit calm and all those things. And even if you don't want to say namaste at the end, like you can make fun of yourself. <laughs> I have yoga teachers who are like, oh my god, why is everyone so serious right now? Like, oh, it's just shit. Like, really? They'll make a joke and be like, really? No one's laughing and like you know and keep it kind of fun. So it's like it's not it's not meant to be serious. Like when, especially in the East, like they, you know, so many religions and all these other Mm -hmm. like religious practices or whatever aren't meant to be as serious as we as 
the community has taken them in the West. We're right. like, oh my god, yoga and yogis are like, <laughs> like whatever. I didn't, I didn't make that today. Oh well, I fell on my face. Like, yeah, I just <laughs> farted. I farted big time, but whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. So, well, you know, I well, I I definitely want to have to venture into it, but I got to get to the the habit of um, doing my calisthenics and staying on. I I don't know where we how we transition into fitness same. and everything. No, I love it. It's the yeah. I mean it's the same. You doing your calisthenics is the same as practicing a yoga practice, right? You know? Like it's just yeah. it's dedication and the benefit of I think that that yoga allows is not that it's different than calisthenics is that it doesn't come to mind as like oh god that thing that's going to make me exhausted even if it does it like doesn't have the same reputation as like training for a half marathon or running like it's sort of like it can be easy and gentle so you can do it more regularly because you don't dread it so you know instead of being like oh my calisthenics which really aren't that bad but no no no, definitely not like in your mind it kind of gets like it but that you know to bring it back is like that's like anything else like just doing a little bit that's why I said like my athletic background I think helps me write better because and my improv background helps me write because I'm like I don't care sometimes it's just writing something and then I can always edit it but just get the words on the page and then tomorrow will be better like tomorrow might be better maybe it'll be worse I don't know but the point is we'll try it again yeah do you ever uh do you ever travel like tour and do and do comedy shows I know you said you had done some in Indiana Indiana do you do yeah go wherever I can I do festivals I mean I, I toured and did like um uh, with my solo show, I did uh, a national tour. I played in D.C. and in Indianapolis, my hometown, and did it at Second City in Chicago and out here in L.A. And um, wherever yeah. people would put me up, I'd, put it, I'd do it. And I did it in New York. I did it wherever I could. But um, for stand-up now, Natasha Pearl Hansen, who you yeah. mentioned had, you had on the show, she and I toured to the Virgin, Virgin Islands together, which was pretty awesome yeah, last she- fall. She had, she had mentioned that she had did the thing in Virgin Islands and that, yeah, I mean, that that's awesome. What was that like? Um, I totally. We had both a similar and completely different experience. First of all, I'm pale and Tasha's like, <laughs> you know, can tan and she loves sun and I can take about an hour and then I'm done. So <laughs> we, we were sort of on that end of the spectrum, you know, chilling in the sunlight and getting my tan on is not something that I do. Um, and the drinking is something I can handle like a little of, you know, but an Island pour knocks me to sleep. So like though they have these huge pours. So, um, so in that way it was sort of different, but it's great going somewhere and traveling with a friend and, you know, the shows were really cool and the people couldn't have been nicer and more accommodating and more excited about having stand up there. And so that was really fun. I mean, she's, she loves producing stuff like that. So she's already talked about another tour we want to do and, and all yeah. that, um, which is fun because it combines, you know, both our, our love for travels with our love for performing. So Nice, nice. Have you ever performed in Texas? Yes, actually. I performed improv in, uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, wow. Okay. And I did the Austin. Um, South I by did, Southwest? Uh, the other one. Austin City Limits. The other one, Out of Bounds. <laughs> out of Bounds. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Is there Out of Bounds is in Austin, right? Yeah, yes, I believe it is. Yeah, that's about I I'm in San Antonio, so that's about an hour away from me, but I want to say it's Out of Bounds. I've been to San Antonio and I love San Antonio. Have you? I didn't perform there. Yes. Oh, no, um, wow. 
I was there There's in a... seventh grade. So. Oh, wow. You, you came to see the Alamo, I'm guessing. I did. And then I also, <laughs> back a friend of mine went to, um, what, was it Rice? Is it Rice? Oh, Rice University. Yeah, that's near, I think that's near Dallas, I think. Maybe it's the other one. Is there one in St. Mary's? St. Mary's. I don't know. Anyway, one of my good friends in high school went to a school in San Antonio or around yeah. it. God, I don't remember yeah. that. But we drove yeah, you... there. <laughs> Trinity? Trinity, yes. There's a Trinity College here in San Antonio. Trinity, yes. yes. She went to Trinity. Yeah. So I there, went a there's... couple times to visit her. It was great. Yeah, nice. There, there is a, a comedy club here called Laugh Out Loud. And I know they've had a couple of people perform stand-up there. I think um, Marin just had her on his podcast, Nikki... Um, Glazer? Lace. Yes, her. She, yes, I, I was going to say Glazer, but thank God I didn't say that. But yes, she... <laughs> She performed here like two weeks ago, and uh, one of my buddies actually got to go to the stand-up, and he got to meet her. So that was pretty How cool. How was it? Was it cool? He said he had a blast. I awesome. didn't get to go, but he said he had a good time. But So you're writing now, You're and have you had any of those things see you know fruition? Um, you know, in development out here is like purgatory. Development hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of stuff in development. Um which I say like flippantly, but also is like cool. Like it's neat to have some bites on it. So sure, it's one of those like you hurry up and wait. You know, people want to see stuff immediately, and then they're like, "Okay, I'll get back to you whenever I feel like it." So um, oh, that sucks. So yeah, it sort of, but it gives you the opportunity to work on other yeah. stuff and to let True. it. And especially with the way that I think entertainment is changing, is anymore you you have to just keep your ear to the ground and tell people that they're going to they're gonna be interested in your product. <laughs> you know, you have to be yeah. like, oh, you guys are doing this type of thing. So there's there's a lot of that for me. And um, I'm working now on another uh, a pilot that I'm really excited about and really proud of that I wrote with a writing partner of mine. And um, we have just, we're probably going to parcel that out and make it that full pilot into kind of a web series to make it also digital to show like, well, we want this whole thing to be for TV, but also see we can make it digital and all this. So that's, I think the next big thing on the plate is um, starting production on that with him and, nice. you know, always working on everything. You got to do everything. So right. yeah, and you, so you could have all your, have all your hands in the, in each basket and kind Too of many baskets. I had a meeting the yeah. other day and they were like, we like you. They'd see me from stand up. They're like, we really like you, but um, what are you? And I was like, I oh. don't know. So that's part oh. of the reason I'm like consolidating and being like, okay, here we go. Where this is me, you know? Yeah. So is it is it always kind of like a, you know, pounding the pavement kind of thing where you're just, you know, working hard and trying to get get something going? I mean, I know you've the stand up's doing really well, it seems like. I mean, does it is it always like that, you know, I mean, that approach that you're taking? Because, I mean, it's it's very, sounds like it's very DIY that you're doing there, that you're, yeah. your, own, you're your own promoter. So, I mean. I think it has to be, right? Like, even if you yeah. be, if you get the goal of becoming a celebrity or whatever, you're still the only one that cares about your brand. And so you're That's still true. the one that gets to transform it and gets to helm it. So right now I have, you know, a small boat with only a few, few crewmen aboard. And someday if I ever have, like, a, a yacht or a Titanic-style boat without the sinking, I would love to you know, you still are the one in charge. So um, I think it's just a matter of, for me, it's sort of practice reps for that. Because, you know, even if someone does really well, it's sort of like, what's the next thing? Like, great, you're doing that. But even if best case scenario, you're on, let's say, you know, Seinfeld or something, you're Jerry Seinfeld, well, he's still doing stand-up, you know, like he's still 
producing stuff and writing things. Like yeah. he's still at the helm of his, even though man doesn't have to ever work again. And he mm-hmm. theoretically made it. It's like, well, what is it? What does any of that mean? So there is a lot of DIY and I, and I have, I've started to have a lot more help on board of like, Oh, you have this. We're interested in that. But even then, you know, you got to protect your vision. You got to protect, you got to just see what it, what it is. So I don't think the, and I also am just a workaholic. So I don't know that the, yeah. the pounding the pavement will ever stop. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, but yeah. I also hope that, you know, eventually I can have my own dogs instead of these sweet <laughs> but high maintenance other people's dogs and, you know, like have yeah. enough where I feel comfortable to embrace other phases of my life rather than, you know, someday people are, we talk, my boyfriend and I are very serious. And so it's like, if we ever want to get married, and I'm like, I can't, I can't afford that. At the, like, that's not an expense I want right now. You know, like, <laughs> not that I don't want to marry you, but like, so when that, I think that's the type of stuff that I'm looking forward to now is the like, yeah, you had this, but when, when does it kind of become like, okay, you're regularly in demand, not just demanding that you be in demand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you're on the you've done some amazing things and i actually admire the fact that you've been able to write at eight years old i mean we all have a we all have imaginations at that age but you took it to a like to new heights in my opinion i mean and that's amazing and to yeah you're welcome i mean and to do what you're doing now it's obviously you have an amazing skill set and amazing talent uh amazing I, I can't say that enough oh, thank yeah. you so much i really appreciate it i mean i think it's so cool i love connecting with people like i good for you for doing this and for reaching out to people because i think it's just uh you know a yeah. chance. i love to i mean i obviously love to talk but i love part of the reason is maybe it's my age or what it, my phase of career but it's like yeah i really want people especially as the world becomes more inclusive to like know that it's not easy for anyone, you know, like mm-hmm. you hear, especially on Marin's podcast and stuff, these people and anyone who kind of fronts to me, I was like, eh, they're so full of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard for everybody and not even hard. It's both hard and easy. It's like, you just got to be you and know that everyone gets stage fright the moment before they walk out, oh, or, you know, okay. or like there's, there's equaling factors for everybody. So yeah. Did you, uh, I, I know we just one last the thing we talk about Marin again was that he, did you see he had, I think Susan Sarandon was on his podcast last week. It was entertaining to say the least. Oh, I haven't listened to it. I should. Oh, she's fascinating. Yeah. 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 She was, she was kind of out there, but very, I, very interesting. I enjoyed it because I, I didn't know things about her and he was able to have that conversation with her and I had, I found it to be, it was entertaining. Well, even like this, like what you're doing is so cool because it's Marin like in that you get to have longer conversations with people. You know, you get yeah. to actually like engage with them rather than hearing sound bites or, you know, people having yeah. to be super on. It's like, you know, you get to just be yourself for a little bit instead of yeah. your per- that, persona. That, I mean, had this been five minutes, you would have gotten no breaths from me. Like, you're just, I did this, and I'm this, and I did. <laughs> you know, I, I, a year ago, I wasn't even doing this. I, I started doing this in, in August, and um, I found that I, that there's things that I want to learn, learn and know about people, whether it's somebody who's doing another podcast or they're a musician or whatever, and a comedian, blogger, whatever. And I just find it to be really fascinating and interesting. Uh-oh. I guess it's probably the, uh, the extrovertness that I carry 
from my father, I guess, because I'm most of the time I'm a very, very introverted person, which is, you know, I don't know. It's in, it's, it's different for me. I, I enjoy it, but Marin is, I has become an influence, but I've listened to another podcast that that was a big influence on me to start doing this and find my way. Which one was that? Um, the, uh, well, the, the Marin, no, you're fine. Yeah. The, the, Oh, the Marion podcast I, I was my biggest inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, one of my inspirations, and I listened to another podcast that um, was a indie wrestler turned turned into kind of like a comedian. Uh, Colt Cabana uh, is one of my other inspir- influences and in what I wanted to start getting into podcasting and, and enjoying. Oh, that's you know, awesome. To, do you like wrestling? Yeah. Do you listen? To- you, you, know, you know, I do. I do listen to some. To, I listen to his podcast. I still do. I'll listen to like Steve Austin's and I'll listen to Jericho's. But I, I do watch a little bit of wrestling. Not as much as I used to, but I do. Well, one of my good friends is um, Gino Briley Pierce. <laughs> Hot, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Have you ever have you reached out to him at all? Are you no, okay. no, no. Well, his no. name is Ryan. We went to college together, and he's out here now, and we've reconnected. So he's one of my very close friends. So if you're ever interested in connecting with him, I can, I can help oh. you up with that, brah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's he's um such a weirdo and so wonderful. <laughs> he's a delightful. <laughs> he's I mean I say that, and I'm like the weirdest person. I literally just talk to dogs all day. But, but he's he's a delight so um yeah that's the reason i asked i was like oh wrestling okay yeah well i think i think we've got everything great okay yeah um brianna thank you so much for being on um where can my dear listeners um find you yes great uh at the brianna hansen i'm uh on Twitter and uh, Facebooks and uh, the Instagram as that. And I'm also on Snapchat as that, but I'm really bad at Snapchat. So get ready. I was on it years ago and then I let it go and now I'm back and I refuse to get good at it. So if you want like really <laughs> terrible snaps, terrible angles and inconsistent, that's me on Snapchat. And then BriannaHanson.com is my uh, website, which will be undergoing some cosmetic surgery. So hurry over there if you want to see the the old mate. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, Brianna, thank you again so much. for. I appreciate your time. I had a lot of fun talking with you. Yeah, and, you too. Uh, Congrats on this. Thank you so much for oh, making you. the time. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Um, I look forward to, to catching up with you down the road, and I will. I look forward to, uh, you know, everything that i good luck with everything i hope everything works out really well for you thank you um i'll keep you in the loop if you do the same for me of course certainly <laughs> I, I totally will okay awesome all right thanks what an entertaining story fun filled with laughter and an amazing one at that i know amazing is something that i say a lot but man brianna was so thank you so much you were charismatic you were entertaining you brought your a-game and I appreciate all the compliments that you said about the podcast. And I really look forward to hopefully connecting with Briley and uh, having that conversation with him. Folks, check out her, her check out her website, follow her on Twitter, on Instagram, all the social media that she has. And she is hilarious. And, um, you know, that's, that's you know, I mean, that, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and start closing up. And um, with my social media, you Twitter, Instagram, at Roel Santos Jr., check out my Facebook page, Facebook page facebook.com slash World of Give it a like, thumbs up, and um, leave a comment, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun and entertaining. 
I love talking to people who are creating things and doing things, whether, like I've mentioned at the intro, podcasters or comedians or entertainers. The things that they do and the, the journeys that they take to get there makes you feel very inspired and wanting to do your own thing. And you can, it doesn't have to be something so crazy and you, if you feel it's crazy or far-fetched because nothing's ever out of our reach. You just have to go and push, whether it's, whether it's doing a podcast, whether it's drawing, whether it's playing an instrument, whatever it is. So anyway, um, that's going to do it here from the world of Ro. I am Ro. You're not... And stay tuned as the world as the world of Roe continues to turn. Have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to the World of Roe podcast.